I was passed a note that if there's a Honda Accord, now think about it, do you have a Honda Accord? Okay, next step. Are you parked next to the wall? Next step. Does your license plate end with 455? If those things line up, your lights are on. You know, uh, Pastor Corey, Andrew, Chris, Pastor Yasu from the Japanese speaking, we were all away last week. And we were at a conference in Northern California in Danville. And uh, we, uh, actually, Andrew was more at a conference in uh, San Leandro. But uh, actually, Andrew's up there and still in Northern California right now. He's attending a church up there. But uh, at that meeting where Pastor Corey and I, where we attended, Pastor Corey, even though he's been ordained long before he came to this church, this conference acknowledged his ordination this past week. So, Pastor Corey. <laughs> that was fun. Okay, if you have your program, inside you have what we call a connection card. It's a white and purple card. And uh, on this card, we'd appreciate you filling it out as much as you like. Also on the back, opportunity to ask questions or check a box if it's something we can help you with. And um, especially if, you've been, if this is your first time or you've just been here a couple of times, this is a neat thing to fill out for, our, for, uh, for us to know you a little bit. Okay, thank you. As you're doing it, I'll just mention, there's a harvesters planning meeting today at 12.30 here in the sanctuary. Harvesters planning meeting today at 12.30 in the sanctuary. Um, that's, that's, um, so please join us this afternoon. So harvesters, harvesters, 55 and up? 55 and up, okay, 55 and up. If you don't want to acknowledge that, just kind of creep in here and Sit in the back. I keep on reminding myself, you know, Kaiser keeps saying that, that 60 is the new 40. Do you believe that? 60 is the new 40. I, I really, if I keep repeating that enough, I will believe that. Okay. Let's pray. Would you join me in prayer, please? Father, as we open your word and we continue on in the book of Mark, uh, Father, we know that without the help of the Holy Spirit revealing truth to us, uh, what we do this morning will have no real meaning. So, Father, we pray that you be our teacher. You be the one who teaches us the things that we need to learn today. You know us all. We're each individually different. So, Father, speak to our hearts with what we need. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when you think of the most important day of your life, what is the most important day of your life thus far? Okay? See, some of you are naturally going to think, my wedding day. Big day. Wedding day. A lot of preparation, things. You know, you get into just a real celebration. Some of you immediately are going to say wedding day. So others are going to say, no, it's the day my son was born. Man, what a great day that was. The day my son was born. That was the greatest day of my life. Others are going to say, no, you know, it's the day my son left home. You know? Some are going to say, no, it's the it's day my son moved out. And, and that's the greatest day of your life thus far. And for, for especially you guys, you guys who aren't really that 
kind of not that spiritual. You may be immediately thinking, it's the day that McDonald brought back the McRib sandwich. <laughs> but in all seriousness, when we think of the most important day of our life, a lot of us naturally don't think of the day that we accepted Christ. A lot of times we don't, that doesn't come to our mind. And, and, and that's something that, you know, uh, it's a real special day. Because when you think about it, when you think about a day that, that was, was, was in our minds really kind of anchored in, we remember that day. We, when we think of that day, we were spiritually born. We, we can remember that. You can't remember when you're physically born, but you can remember when you're spiritually born. And, uh, and so you, you vividly understand that, but, but to view it as the most impactful day of your life, maybe it isn't really there yet. But this morning, if, if, if Jesus is in your life, I want to invite you this morning that as we go through the story of this woman, that you kind of revisit your life, that you think through your life, and, and, and kind of re-examine, you know, or re just kind of reconnect with what God has done in your life. See, in the Gospel of John, we read a story about a Jewish ruler by the name of Nicodemus. And he talked about this, this whole idea of the new life in Jesus. He was a Jewish leader, and he was one of the very few Pharisees or religious leaders of Jesus' time who really believed that Jesus was, was more than just a good teacher, a, a prophet. He really believed that Jesus had a direct connection some way to God. And so he wanted to meet with Jesus, and so he arranged a meeting with Jesus at night so the rest of his colleagues would not know that he was meeting with him. And this is how that conversation went. We read it in John chapter 3. Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Now, you, now, you, now this conversation seems a little bit strange. And the reason why is that when it came to spiritual truth, and if you read through the life of Jesus in the different Gospels, you'll see that Jesus is a very clear and direct person when it comes to really important spiritual truth. He says to this man who's, who's complimenting him and, and sharing his, his, his view, he says, you must be born again. That's the bottom line, brother. You must be born again. What does that mean? Well, let me tell you, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you believe that he died on a cross for you, and you believe by believing in him that your sins are forgiven and you can have a personal relationship with God, if you believe all that, then you are born again. Now, the question is, are you living that new spiritual life? You know, like I mentioned here, that huge difference between the spiritual life but also the physical life. In the spiritual life, you can probably remember that time when you came to that point of trusting Jesus as your Savior. In your physical birth, your new physical life, you can't remember a thing, can you? I can't. I was born at midnight in the Cook County Hospital in Chicago. I don't remember a thing. 
My dad didn't even get out of bed when he heard the news. But in my spiritual life, oh my gosh, I remember that. And so do many of you. And that's what's so neat, because that is part of what we call your testimony. You can pinpoint the time when your life, when you were given that spiritual birth. You can pinpoint that, and you can from that point mark it and see how your life has gone since then. And that is what we call your personal testimony. What we're going to do today, we're going to talk about uniqueness and how that your testimony, whether you, whatever you think about it, I have to tell you it is unique. There's no one else who has a testimony like you. And we're going to look at a testimony of a woman in the Gospel of Mark. We're going to read about a woman's life and how she met Jesus and what in the world did that mean to her. So let's turn to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, and we're first going to look at her life before she met Jesus. And this is important. This is very important for her and for us to understand. How was your life before you met this guy named Jesus? How was your life? Let's get into this a little bit. Look at Mark chapter 5. Let's look at verses 25 and 26. We're not going to read a whole lot of text, but we'll get the gist of this, this woman's life. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. What is this setting? Jesus, prior to going to where this woman lived, was traveling around, walking around, and ministering. You guys understand that Jesus ministered for roughly about three years, right? Only three years. But he was going from area to area in, 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 in Palestine and touching lives. He was going from area to area under the guidance of, we would say, the Holy Spirit. God didn't be here at this time, just moving around, walking from town to town. Okay? He, at this time, he was on the west side of the Sea of Galilee. And some of you have been to Israel. West side of the Sea of Galilee, probably in the, in, the, in, the, in the city of Capernaum. And he goes into this city, and all these people, they've heard about Jesus. He has this reputation. They may never have met him, but they heard about him. And here's this woman. And what is this woman's situation? You know, I read this, and I said, man, we need a doctor. Uh, we, doc, Dr. Alex is in here, isn't is he? Well, Dr. Dr. Alex, and then he, he attends service once in a while. He's, he's at, over at Kaiser. And he would probably say something about this. He could probably describe this as some kind of incurable menstrual disorder or, or what they say, a, a uterine hemorrhaging, something like that. But the bottom line is this woman suffered from this condition at this point for 12 years. There was real desperation. So in desperation, this woman most likely went through all these drastic forms of medical care. And you can just imagine how, how maybe kind of crude some of these, uh, the, the medical treatments she went through. But we can imagine what happened because we experience that here. If we keep going from doctor to doctor to doctor, referral to referral to referral, always paying this co-payment, that co-payment, or paying the full payment, eventually what happens? It just drains your finances. And that's what happened to this poor lady. It drained her finances. She was on the street. But even worse than this, 
12 years she's sick, but even worse than this, even more devastating than the financial loss, is because of her bleeding, she was deemed by the religious leaders of that time, and also from her community, that she was ritually unclean. What does that mean? When you're branded ritually unclean, it means that you have, have to cut all your relations in your life. Your family can't have contact with you. Your community can't have contact with you. Because if they do, they are then considered ritually unclean. And so she was just cut off. She was isolated. She was by her, herself because of this, this, this bleeding that she was going through regularly for 12 years. So in other words, this woman's life, you just imagine, in poverty, homeless, without support structure, her life was very, very bleak. Let me ask you, let's pause, let's personalize this. When you think of your life before you met Jesus, how was it? How was your life? See, for, for many of us in in our age, in our society, before you met Jesus, when you can maybe look at that age that you were in life, that point in your life, you know, life could have been pretty good. I don't know how it was, but it could have been very good. It could have been fine. You know, or it could have been really bad. I don't know. But the bottom line is that when we look at a life before Jesus, the bottom line is that life is lost. In God's eyes, you were lost. No matter how much money you had, education, furtherance in life, you were lost. You were lost. See, I was lost. When I look at my life, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm being a little bit transparent with you guys. If I had my way in life, after finish, finishing college, I would have gathered up some money, just earned some money after a while, and I would have gone into business with two of my friends, and we talked about this, and we would have opened a sports bar. Now imagine that, a sports bar. <laughs> Instead of BJ's, it'd be Rick's, right? And I'd be a gazillionaire. I'd be a gazillionaire, and, and I'd be able to retire at age 35, which would have been last year, right? <laughs> and, and it would have been wonderful, right? No, you know, when I think about it now, and when and, you know, and anyone hears about maybe some of the things I, I would have done if I had my way, you know, I was basically pretty goofed up. My, my values were very, very questionable. Um, my life focus was just plainly just enjoy life and have a good time. And even today, I think about my life, and I, I'm... I'm, I'm certainly not the most spiritual person in the world. Matter of fact, I really believe I'm not the most spiritual person in this church. But I do know I'm saved. I do know I'm saved. I do know I'm born again. And uh, that, that covers it all. That's, that just brings joy to my heart. But, you know, it's important to think about our life before coming to Christ. It's important to understand that it wasn't just a frivolous thing. It wasn't just something that you did and you jumped in with the crowd and did it. But, but it really had an a, 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 a impact in your life. Now, whether you're living that impacted life, hey, man, that's part of your choice. 
but know that if you truly did believe those things I told you, that, uh, that it takes to be born again, then God is in you, and you're one of his children. Hey, how are you living? Are you living that way? Well, let's go on. So, we, so we, here's this woman's condition before she met Christ. Let's look at how she met Jesus. Let's think about how she met Jesus. Look at verse 27 to 29. Oh, let's just read the first two verses, 27 and 28. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Man, that's pretty crazy thinking, isn't it? Just to touch his clothes? You know, what we're talking about here is hope. And when we think about it, hope has to be one of the most underrated feelings or attitudes of the human spirit. We don't even think about it. But if you were hopeless, my gosh, you wouldn't get out of bed. If you were hopeless, you wouldn't try anything. If you were hopeless, can you imagine how you would walk through your day? But when you have hope, it's incredible. And in this case, this is kind of crazy hope here. This woman was desperate. This woman didn't know who Jesus was. She'd never met him, but she had this incredible need. And you know how that is. You've been in that situation where you needed something or you wanted something so bad that your mind just keeps on running away with that. And you just keep on thinking, I got to have this. I got to have this. I want this. And what happened is this woman's hope developed this incredible faith in believing that just touching some clothing would help an illness that she's had for 12 years. That is just nonsense. That's crazy talk. But incredible hope produces incredible faith. Faith that led her mind to believe in what? In the impossible. See, faith is believing in what? in what we can't see. Faith is believing in what? What we can't touch. Faith is believing in those things that are just beyond our human sensitivities. God tells us, but without faith, it's impossible to please me. That's what God says to us. You've got to have faith because I am invisible. I am untouchable. You can't see me, smell me, see me. You don't have faith, I don't exist. So faith is crucial. So this woman, this woman's need led her to hope, and her need led her to believe in what? In the God of the impossible. So what did she do? She reached out and she touched the hem. She touched just the hem of Jesus' tunic. That's how her faith was just at that point, extreme crazy point. Look at verse 29. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Wow, suddenly. I mean, you read this, and, and you guys know how that could be. 
where in, inside you got something going on inside you know is wrong. You, it doesn't feel good. You've gone to the doctor, whatever, you're taking medication. But you can tell when you got it, when you don't. And this happened so sudden that this woman could say, oh my gosh, oh my goodness, I don't feel that way anymore. Something happened inside of me when I touched the hem of that guy's clothes. What led you to Jesus? See, we can read this and we can see what led this woman to Jesus, this unknown guy who comes into her town. But what led you to Jesus? What led you to take that step of faith, that incredible step of faith, in something you couldn't see, touch, or, or feel? You know, what led you to do that? You know what led me? Indirectly, my wife. You know, it, she, she led me. I was, I, our marriage though, was really rocky at that time, and I've shared this before. You ever play that game called Jenga? You, you put this, the pieces of wood together, and you stack it up like this, and then you're supposed to, you build that tower of all these little pieces of wood, and then you're supposed to pull pieces out when it's your turn. And if you pull the wrong piece out, the thing just falls apart. See, that's how my marriage was. One false move, and my marriage would have been in shambles. That's, that's where my marriage was at that time. But I was invited in a very strong way to attend a Bible study that was made up of my in-laws. And because I was married in the family, I was really, it was really mandatory for me to go. And the only people who weren't Christians in that meeting was my sister-in-law, who was much younger, and the leader of the study. And my heart was hard as a rock. I'm thinking, what am I doing here? You know, I'm sitting there, and I am just like, gosh, I just want this thing to end, you know. And, um, uh, I just hated it. I thought it was stupid. But I kept going. Every week, my wife said, okay, let's go. Oh, gosh. I went for 18 months. Can you imagine every week for 18 months? You talk about someone being whipped. <laughs> but anyway, 18 months, every week, I'm, I'm receiving worship. Every week I'm receiving something out of the word. Every week I'm having contact with people who are going through the same thing as me, and they're starting to, they're starting to sense something that's going on here. And after 18 months, I prayed that prayer because I started to see my life as God sees my life. Lost. God convinced me I needed to be saved. Where before, I didn't even know I was lost. See, that's, that's how God works. And, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why we invite you that if you want someone to know the Lord, you, you need to remember them in prayer. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that, that gives guidance for someone and puts it in his mind and heart to believe that. I wouldn't believe that if it weren't something from the outside. I was more concerned about, I won't even tell you, man, but, but that's how God works. So when you think of your life, when you think of how your life was and, and how you got to that point where you met Jesus, realize that is God. That's how much he loves you. He could have said, ah, forget that person. They're way off course. No, he doesn't do that. 
He works in our life through all these different details and circumstances and things that take place, and it's incredible if you really put all the pieces together. But you get to that point, there's Jesus staring you in your face. And you've got to make a decision. What am I going to do about it? So praise God. Whatever you're, however you got there, know that God was a part of it. That God was a part of it. So what led you to Jesus? Whatever the chain of events, know that God is the one who got you there. Okay? So that's this woman. She meets Jesus. She has a, a bleak life, but all of a sudden she touches Jesus, and bam, something happens in her life, and she can't explain it, but you, can, you know that she is overjoyed. Let's get into this. Look, look at verse 30. What happens now? At once, Jesus realized that power had gone from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. I don't think there's any other place in the Bible where we read about where Jesus sensed power leaving him like that. There's nowhere else in the Bible of that, but here in this case. Now, when you think about Jesus, who he is, do you think he really didn't know who touched him? Of course he did. He knew who touched him. Do you really think he was there in Capernaum because he didn't know what was going to happen? No, I, I'm convinced he knew what was going to happen, and that's why he was there. No different than why he was at that well for the Samaritan woman at the well. It's God's divine timing. See, that's how he worked in your life too. So here he is, Jesus is saying, okay, who touched me? I feel power going away from me. Who touched me? Jesus looked around. Where is this person? And he knows it's her. And the thing is, she did too. That woman was the only woman in that whole crowd that understood what Jesus was saying. She was the only one she was healed, she got what she came for, and she just wanted to quietly slip away. But see, that's not God's way. That's not God's way. The life in Jesus is much more than that first encounter. It is just the beginning. Look at verse 33. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. You can picture this, can't you? I mean, there's a whole crowd of people there, and this woman knows that she has to confess. She stands up and acknowledges what happened. She dives at Jesus' feet in fear and reverence and maybe gratitude, and then she tells him, she repeats to him what she did, and not only what she did, but what happened to her, and the whole crowd was able to hear this. And can you imagine how they felt? Oh, you're kidding me. He just touched her? Wow. See, as a sign and honor of reverence, this happened. Why? To honor and glorify God. That's why. And that's why we never do a private baptism. No such thing. 
You don't do baptism alone in your swimming pool by yourself or in your bathtub. No, we have it in front of the church. We want other people to be there. We want you to invite your friends and relatives. That's why as a church, we regularly see people to share about God in their life and how God is working in their life. As a church, we want to hear how God has touched you. We want to hear how you met Jesus Christ. We want to hear how he revealed himself to you. We want God to be glorified. We want God to be honored and glorified. Look at verse 34. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Jesus called her daughter. Why is that? I kind of looked at that. Why did he call her daughter? Well, there's a possibility he called her daughter, and it was almost like a, like a preview for her that she has this new position in the family of God. God is now her heavenly father because of what? Her faith. He says, your faith has healed you. The woman's faith in the power of Christ. Faith receives value not from the person of faith, but from the object in which faith rests. I could have faith that this music stand can provide for all my needs. Will it? Of course not. Powerless. But when I have faith in something that can really move and shake my world, hey, then it's going to move and shake. And that's what we talk about, faith in the right things, faith in God. Jesus said, go in peace and be freed of your suffering. What was he saying? He was just saying, hey, lady, realize you are completely healed and you got a new life ahead of you. Go and live that new life. He led her to take that first step of the new life. Once she was dead to her world for 12 years, now she's alive in Christ. Man, that is exciting. And see, that's our testimony too. Are you living it? See, that, that's our testimony too. You may be thinking, oh my goodness, well, my testimony isn't anything close to this woman's life. No, but your testimony is so beautiful and unique. There's no one that has a testimony like you. And there's no one that can say anything against your testimony because it happened to you. And 10 years from here, now you may be looking at today and praising God and saying, God, boy, I remember how I was on, what is today's date? January 31st, 2016. And Lord, I look at my life today and I say, Lord, thank you for what you did for me up to now. Because we are all a work in the process of spiritual maturity. We're all, God is revealing things to us. He's revealing things to us and he's challenging us to live it. He's challenging us to keep moving forward. It's exciting. It's the Christian life. It's the being that new creature. Paul wrote to, to, the, to the Christians of his day, and he wrote this. This is my closing verse. Neither circumcision or uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Amen? Let's pray.
Lord, as we have read this story about this woman, it is encouraging. It is exciting. It is really the, the nuts and bolts of who we are. It is a life touched by the Savior. You know, at this time here for this congregation, if you're sitting in the pews here and you haven't taken that step to accept Christ into your life yet, I'm going to give you the opportunity here and now. That as everyone's head is bowed, as everyone's eyes are closed, I'm going to ask, if you want to pray to receive Christ into your life, you can do so right now. You can say it aloud, you can say it silently, whatever, but just follow along with me. The bottom line is you've got to really believe it. And if you don't believe it, don't worry about it. If you don't believe it yet, then don't pray. I'm just thankful you're here. Because God has a plan for you. So if you're ready to pray, pray along with me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that, that I am forgiven because of what you have done. Come into my life as my Savior. Come into my life as my Lord. Help me to live for God. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, as everyone's head is still bowed, eyes shut, if you pray that prayer with me in your heart, whatever, raise your hand. No one else is going to see it. Amen. 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 Okay. Amen. All right. Let's pray together as a whole congregation. Father, as we have uh, looked into this 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 account of this incredible story of this transformed life. Father, may we live that new life in Christ. May we not be bashful about it. May we embrace it. And may we understand, Lord, that we are, we are in process of a, of, a, of a new work being made, made mature and whole and wonderful in your eyes. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for this, this time we've had. In Jesus' name, amen.